Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Also, feeling in the paddock about Wolf's comments were just like, you know, what on earth's going on? It just doesn't really seem to add up. There's no way of sugarcoating it. The Bahrain Grand Prix weekend has been an eye-opening and humbling experience for the Mercedes F1 team. In the space of three hectic days, the cautious optimism of testing and a car foundation that would, in Toto Wolff's words, eventually win races has succumbed to an aura of downbeat despair and distrust. Humbled by a supply team Aston Martin doing so well, the inquest will surely begin at Brackley and Brixworth. But what's going on behind the scenes? Do Mercedes foreshadow this with their car launch messaging? And the big question on everyone's lips, where do the team go from here? My name is Balf Baines, and in this episode of the Silver Arrows podcast, we're joined by PA journalist Philip Duncan, who is in the paddock this weekend, and Sky Sport News' Cara Bostock to bring you the lowdown on what happened this weekend and perhaps more importantly, what will happen next. But before we do that, just a quick word about how we're tackling race reviews throughout this season. The world on F1 podcasting is getting bigger and bigger. And as regular listeners will know, our little niche is to bring you high quality insight focused on the eight times world champions. Rather than rush and try and get an episode out for Monday morning, we'll be taking our time digging into the data and trying to get answers to the questions that you really want to ask. As such, rather than arriving in your podcast feed first thing on a Monday, our race reviews will be dropping on a Wednesday morning, but will hopefully still contain enough interesting and insightful content to keep you coming back race after race. Once again, a massive thank you for all the support and feedback on our previous episodes. If you haven't listened to them already, what's wrong with you? Go back and give them a go. Especially interesting in the context of the weekend just gone was Craig Scarborough's initial review of the W14. There's certainly a few hints in there as to where the future of the Mercedes car might lie. 
And if you're enjoying the podcast, then please help us grow by subscribing on your podcast app of choice, leaving a review and sharing it with friends and like-minded folk. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at MercF1Pod, where we want to hear your thoughts and questions for future episodes. For now, though, let's get down to business and jump in with Philip and Cara. Firstly, Philip and Cara, thank you so much for joining us here on the Silver Arrows podcast. We'll get onto the bigger picture and where Mercedes go from here in the second half of the show. But to start off, let's just get some context by working our way through the weekend. Friday was certainly a difficult day for Mercedes. FP1 saw the team struggling with speed of the medium tyre. And in quality sims during FP2, the lead Mercedes of Hamilton was six temps off the pace. And when he spoke to the press after Philip, Hamilton wasn't too happy, was he? Uh, no, that was that's probably an understatement. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's funny, really, because I think in at the launch, they were obviously, I think, aware perhaps of, of problems within this car. And I think there was a key word in, in Toto Wolff's um, press release when he was previewing the year, um, is he said that Mercedes will uh, win the championship eventually. Um, so he was saying, you know, effectively that they will get back to winning ways, but he wasn't sure um, whether it was going to be uh, this season. Um, then we had the test. And again, perhaps it started uh, in a promising way for, <clears throat> excuse me, started in a promising way for Mercedes in the fact that they had eliminated the porpoising. So I think they were thinking after the first morning in Bahrain at the test, oh, this is great. We've got rid of uh, one of the factors last year, which really derailed our season. And we can build on that. But then as the test wore on, I think it became evident that they didn't have the speed. Um, and then I think Friday, that was just all borne out, really. And I think, you know, I spoke to Lewis on, on Thursday and, and he was quite upbeat. I think he obviously knew that there were problems, but he was quite upbeat uh, in the sense that, you know, you don't really know what happens until the car hits the track. Um, then I think when it did hit the track and we had two hours of practice and it was evident to see that Mercedes were nowhere near uh, where they wanted to be. Um, and his comments were obviously quite striking um, on that Friday night, you know, to, to say we're miles behind where, where we need to be. We've, uh, we've fallen further behind. And, and to basically say that the car or the concept of the car is the wrong one um, before we've even had a race uh, was, again, a very striking thing to say. Um, you know, Lewis is obviously a guy that wears his heart on his sleeve and um, he he says it as it is, but even for him, that was quite striking. And I think that raised a, a few eyebrows in the paddock and obviously just confirms, I guess, Mercedes' uh, worst fears that they were that they were struggling or they are going to be struggling this year. Yeah, that's the, I, I, was, I was thinking the same thing there, Philip. Uh, Cara, let's go over to you then. FP1, FP2, what was your thoughts there with, with Lewis being so open and honest with the car that he, he was driving around Bahrain over the weekend? I think we'd seen in testing that the Mercedes perhaps wasn't going to be a race winner this year. But as a fan, there is always hope. You know, as Philip was saying, until it gets to that first race, you're like, they might turn things around. It might bring in something incredible here and they're going to be right up the front. And probably there's a bit of denial from the drivers, from the team principal, from everyone on the team, like it's going to be okay. But you sort of can't, you can't argue with the facts with the timings board when it comes out in testing like that. And I think that, you know, obviously Philip was saying, oh, when I spoke to Lewis, he seemed quite happy. But I think as someone watching from home, 
you actually felt a bit deflated. I think that's the word Like when you were listening to Hamilton. And I think Russell sort of was going through the motions as well when he was talking to the media. So I think it's, yeah, all sort of come falling down in that respect. And then in FP3, it was a bit better. You know, Hamilton was fourth, Russell sixth. So you're thinking, oh, are we building here? Are we building up to qualifying and then the race? But yeah, they didn't quite make it. And I suppose that's kind of the story of the whole weekend. Yeah, definitely. With, with FP3, you mentioned there, Cara, and obviously the quali on Saturday as well. Like, like you mentioned, it did seem uh, to get a little bit better. On Friday, the W14 was mainly losing time in the fast corners, 3, 6, 7, 8 and 11 of Bahrain. And I think it's due to the lack of downforce in the rear and the grip on the rear axle affecting the traction. But Lewis and, and George as well ran ran different setups. So, Cara, would you say that Mercedes seemed to be in a better place? on that Saturday than they were on the Friday of the weekend? Yeah, like I said, I think there was that initial, oh God, okay, we're not going to be winning winning races. But then that, okay, but can we build on something here day on day? And then you were saying there about the lack of downforce, grip on the rear axle, affecting traction. So Hamilton was saying they, they can't get off as quickly. They can't convert that power into speed. And he was also saying that causes more tyre degradation. But again, when you listen to him, you know, after FP3, he was like, it's something we can work on. But then as a fan, you're like, okay, but what have you been doing for the last six months? You know, is is there going to be some miracle? And I'm sorry if that's repeated throughout this podcast today, but <laughs> I feel like that is the main theme here is, you know, we're going to work on it. It's going to be better. And that's what you have to say. And you have to say that to the fans as well. And you have to really believe it. Um, so yeah, better in FP3, but not good enough for a Mercedes. Yeah, no, I completely agree, Cara. Philip, you, you were in the paddock, you were in Bahrain. So was there a feeling from the Mercedes garage in FP1, 2 and 3 and even qualifying that that there was something missing and there was something that is not just quite right 100% uh, within, the, within the two cars? Yeah, I mean, totally. I think uh, going back to what I said earlier, I think Hamilton's um, comments after FP2 um, were pretty plain to see that they weren't where they wanted to be. Um, and then as soon as uh, qualifying took place and they were uh, six tenths back, um, which was basically the gap um, to, to the top last year in qualifying, um, was again just uh, further evidence that they were, um, you know, uh, yeah, struggling. Um, and then we spoke to Toto Wolf after uh, qualifying and then for him to, to admit that basically uh, this car uh, that they've got this season uh, is the wrong car was quite extraordinary, really. I mean, it's not something you expect to hear. Um, before a race, you know, before, sorry, the first race of the season that the team principal at Mercedes, you know, the the team which has or did win eight consecutive Constructors World Championships um, was basically saying that we've got it wrong. Um, you know, you could excuse them, I think, in a way for getting it uh, wrong at the, last year. Um, you know, it was a whole new set of regulations and, and, and you know, it can be easy to, to, to go the wrong way. But I think the problem now this season is they don't seem to have learned their lessons from uh, the previous year. You know, I think a lot of fans will be looking at Mercedes fans will be looking at it and thinking, how on earth can a team like Mercedes, with all their resources, um, with all the all the geniuses that they have there, or perhaps the lack of, um, which we might get to later, um, you know, can turn up with a car that 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 isn't good enough, and and that's basically an evolution of a car that wasn't good enough in the first place. Um, 
So I think a lot of fans will be saying that. And I think, you know, just to, to hear Toto Wolf say that was just, again, amazing, um, given also that Lewis Hamilton said a very similar thing uh, the previous uh, the previous evening. So, um, yeah, I, t- I think, you know, it's, in all honesty, it was a disastrous weekend, really, for Mercedes. And I think just those first couple of days, Friday and Saturday, um, just emphasised that, really. So, Cara, do you think that frankness from Toto Wolff was a surprise? And how did you take that? It, it was a surprise. It was a bit of a bombshell, wasn't it, to, to say that, to be honest, to just come out straight and say we've got this wrong. What's that, again, going to do for morale? But then I think as a fan, it's kind of one of the reasons you love Toto is his frankness and his you know ability to make these fiery comments and be truthful. And I suppose if, again, we're looking at the positives, you kind of got to admit that there's a problem. You know, that's the first, first stage, isn't it? I was about to say of addiction, but um, um, that's the first stage, isn't it? That you're admitting you've got this problem and he's saying that very frankly to the world media. Okay, the people back in the factory, the people back in the paddock are going to be like, right, we've got to, we've got to sort this out. You've got a seven-time world champion. You can't be driving a mediocre car for another year, surely. Yeah, I feel like I'm in a, a therapy session here with you, Cara. But how do you think the other nine teams will, will take what Toto Wolf said and how open he was and honest with he was with the W14? I think maybe someone like Christian Horner, maybe they'll be thinking, right, is he bluffing a little bit here? Yeah. Is I was thinking really, the same, yeah. Yeah, is it really that bad? Um, and obviously, the you know, Hamilton and Russell as well, they're all downplaying it like, oh, but then it wasn't that great on the track because the problem is you're comparing it to their previous year's standard, not necessarily last year, but the years before. And so I suppose compared to that, they have gone in completely the wrong direction because they've not got the, a car that's at the top of the pack. Um, but yeah, I'm sure every team principal on the grid will be taken out with a pinch of salt. Yeah, I think it was all these mind games that I love about Formula One, but with everything that's happening off the track in FP1, 2 and 3 and Quali, we almost forgot there was a, there was a race on Sunday that happened. Uh, Hamilton started well and the battle with Alonso was was my personal favourite. The wheel-to-wheel driving was was amazing, but ultimately for Hamilton, it was in vain. Uh, Philip, would you say Mercedes finishing fifth and seventh was as about as much as they could hope for, given the circumstances that, that they're under? Yes, probably, I suppose. I mean, it would have been worse, wouldn't it, had uh, Charles Leclerc not broken down. So it could have even been, could, it could have been worse, but... I mean, I, I don't know, just going back to what we were speaking about earlier, I think there was also a feeling in the paddock about Wolf's comments were just like, you know, what on earth's going on? I mean, I think there could be, you know, it could be seen as a bit of a bluff, but at the same time, you know, the, the proofs in the pudding and the fact that they were so slow uh, or slower than they want to be, I think he was just, there's a sense of, you know, what's, what is really going on there? It just doesn't really seem to add up. I mean, it's a bit like, say, you know, United manager Ten Hag spending... 200 million quid on on new players and then before uh or after pre-season and before the first premier league match he's saying i don't want any of this lot anymore i need to i need a new team i mean that's almost how it how it feels so it just it does seem ludicrous it's almost like it it can only be a bluff because it's that bizarre um but i, t- I don't think it is really um but i guess yeah going back to your to, to to the point about the race yeah that was probably about as as good as they could do with that uh with the package they've they've got now um, but again, it, uh, without being too much of a, a doomster about all of this, it means now that they've effectively fallen 
behind Aston Martin. So they're the they're the fourth uh, team on the grid um, and not the third best as, as they were last year. And again, that's slightly humiliating, really, for, for Mercedes, given that Aston Martin borrows so so much of uh, so much of their gear. You know, the the whole uh, the whole rear of the the car is effectively a Mercedes car, and yet they're ahead of them on the track. Um, so I think again, Lewis Hamilton tried to put a brave face in it at, at the end, and I think his radio message was was quite. It was an optimistic one, wasn't it? You know, he was saying to the guys, uh, uh, "You know, it's let's keep not working, where yeah. we need to be. Um, let's keep working. I believe in you." But I, it just feels like a bit of a broken record, and that we've been here last year. And I know these things. You know, you can't. It, it's 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 very hard to solve um, overnight. And I guess if you look at say Red Bull, they won all those championships, didn't they, with Vettel between uh, 2010 and 2013, and they got it wrong with the next set of regulations, and Mercedes didn't. Mercedes, you know, were, were miles ahead, and it took Red Bull the best part of eight years to, to catch up and for, and for Stappen to win that title. So maybe that's where we are with Mercedes. Maybe it could take that long for them to, to be back to where they need to be, which is obviously not what, well, A, Lewis Hamilton needs to see, uh, sorry, needs to hear because he's, he might not have another eight years left in Formula One. Um, he might not do another eight months if it carries on like this. Uh, but um, but yeah, I think it's just, yeah, it's difficult for Mercedes fans to hear that. I think it's just Mercedes are a bit of a crossroads, really. And they're not, they're not used to this. They haven't been in this position for, for so many years. And, I don't, and Toto Wolff hasn't been in this position. He's been used to winning. And now he's got to work out how to, how to sort it out. And I think it's difficult with so many key personnel uh, have left uh, that team. Um, you spoke about Vows earlier, but uh, Andy Cowell, the engine man, he left a couple of years ago. Uh, Eric Blandin moved to Aston Martin. He was a chief, aero chief. Uh, James Allison's no longer involved um, in the day-to-day running. So it's a, you know key figures who have been um, integral in winning all, all that success that Mercedes have are, are no longer there. And I think that's, you know, indicative of, of of what's what's going on there it needs a it feels like it needs a total rebuild and, and it's that's just something that's not easy to do in in 12 months two years three years whatever i've just picked off my mouth from the floor there philip with it could be eight years to, to mercedes win uh, another championship cara what do you think on that uh, philip is saying that mercedes seem to be on a crossroads is something that is that something you you agree with I think that's a really interesting point, what you said there about how Red Bull didn't get it right when the new regulations came in. It took them almost eight years. Like Those are just the facts and getting it right at that, you know, that crucial point of the new regulations is the most important thing. I think eight years sounds a a bit too long. I really like Aston Martin, if you think they were back of the grid last year almost, and then they're almost at the front of the grid in one year. So I think maybe if you if you get it right, you can turn it around in in one season. And again, the optimist, let's hope that for Mercedes and let's maybe hope even this season when they bring in the upgrades at different points, they can have some big impact. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a difficult year, but I'm hoping there'll be some good years in less than eight years.
let's uh, turn our attention to the future and try and dig under the surface a little bit. Hamilton and Wolves' comments, we, we've talked about it in depth, uh, were either a bold attempt, I think, to bounce a team into a different direction or part of a pre-planned shift of communications. Kara, what do you think is more likely and what do you think is going on behind the scenes at Bricksworth and Brackley? I think, you know, we've spoken about it, but I, I don't think it's a bluff. I think that's my gut, really. I think that's maybe some way of rationalising it because it was so shocking. Um, but you can tell from the body language, like we said, Russell, Hamilton, Toto, you know, they've got a car, they've been working on this, you know, and for so long and there's still that hope and then they've got it out on the track and it's not very good. And that's sort of just what came across. And I suppose that's the whole story, really. So a lot of bombshell comments have we said this weekend, but it wasn't great. I mean, you know, going back to the race, there was some optimism with, you know, Hamilton fighting Alonso on the track. I feel like we should mention that too, Um, you know, and, you know, the two oldest drivers as well, which is amazing to see that they've still both got so much hunger and it's strange, you know, if you told people six months ago, you're going to see those two up sort, you know, near the top fighting and one of them's in an Aston Martin, you, you wouldn't be thinking that. So I think as a fan, you have to take those, you know, new exciting things. I shall steer it back to Mercedes. Um, so, yeah, a small, small wins on the track. Not much from George this weekend either. I mean, his biggest impact was the Michael Jackson meme. <laughs> Um, which I'm sure we've all seen. That was generally his biggest impact this weekend. Um, That's saying something, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's saying the power of memes, but also he sort of got on the track and you didn't really see much. And I think as a Mercedes fan, you want to, you know, we saw Lewis battling. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Even if they're not, top of the grid in qualifying you want to see the hunger and you want to see the fight I think some again I'm doing about to talk about Christian Horner I think that's why people sometimes respect Red Bull even though perhaps to a Mercedes fan they're the villain every single time they're backing their team they're backing their car they're backing their man and that's what you want to see from someone it gives you confidence and it, and it pushes you forward so I think coming out and saying it's rubbish we've got it wrong is that necessarily the right way to go is that going to get is that going to motivate your team yeah no it's good points i know we're a, a mercedes 
fan podcast, but a definite uh, honorable mention to Fernando Alonso. What a drive in his first race uh, for Aston Martin is it was he was my driver uh, of the day i know uh, i'm a mercedes fan so uh, i'll live by that comment uh, philip let, let's go to you with those comments that we heard from toto wolf hamilton russell do you think it's a bluff or do you think that that's actually what's happening down in the factory no i think i think that's what's happening um it was interesting actually we almost had three days of it didn't we we had uh, hamilton on friday um saying it's the wrong concept uh, toto wolf the next day basically echoing those sentiments and and George Russell last night um said uh, on Sunday night said that um you know Red Bull are probably going to win uh, all every 23 uh, all 23 races um this year which was a uh, a move from testing where he was saying okay well maybe the first three or four or five races we might be behind but we'll be able to get stuck in after that um so I think yeah that's that's just where they're at I mean I think the interesting thing is, is also is they had this this upgrade planned um, for Imola, which I think they were they were pinning their hopes on um, in the sense that it it will bring them more speed. And I think the the, the feeling is that it's got two or three tenths in it, um, extra in it. But again, that's just not enough, is it? As we as we've seen this weekend, they were six tenths behind in qualifying. And also, if you look at the race, um, I think Lewis uh, was something like seventeen seconds behind. Uh, max after 10 laps um so you know obviously slow and uh slower than them in, in qualifying but also the race pace um they're nowhere and uh, you know i guess after a dozen laps or so max was really in cruise in cruise control so he could have gone faster than that um so yeah i think there's certainly no no bluff there and i think Toto Wolf was saying, really, this week is now the the week where they will decide what they're going to do are they going to just totally ditch this car and focus 100% on building a, uh, a totally new concept and get that in place um, for, for next year. I mean, I can't see how they can really bring anything to the table this, this season with, with the budget cap and, and all those, um, all those sorts, sorts of things. So I think they really are going to have to decide whether they basically just say, look, this year's a write-off. We're not going to be able to do anything this year. Let's just try and hope and focus all our attentions on, on getting back winning ways um next season i think that's almost the dilemma that they are in you know which is obviously not a great position to be in because we're so used to mercedes winning races that if they go another season without winning i mean i know george won last year in brazil but if they go another year without really competing it's just a it's it's a bad it's a bad look isn't it and who's to say the concept that they come back with in 24 is any good either so I think that's the problem, is it? As we, as we said earlier, when you start these regulations and you're on the back foot, you've got to take these bold gambles to, 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 to get closer because obviously the other teams are going to improve as well. You know, it's not like, say, if Mercedes bring this new package, they were thinking of doing an Imola that gives them another two or three tenths, the Red Bull are just going to be standing still all year. They're not, are they? They're going to be improving too. So that really is the conundrum for Mercedes, I think. And I, it, it is difficult to know, isn't it? I mean, what would you do if, you, if you're in their shoes? Would you just give up on this year or would you, you know, uh, or would you try and try the best with what, with what you've got? Um, it's, it's a difficult question, isn't it? It's, it's almost weird to, to hear you say that, Philip, with race one of 23 races. We're talking about giving up. Is that the right mentality to have? Yeah, I, I, I appreciate your point. Um, but I think that's just the feeling that 
you get from them after this race, isn't it? After just one race, as we said, it was just mad madness to hear Toto saying, you know, that they've got the wrong concept before we've even had one race. So you're right. I mean, we could, you know, they could turn up in Saudi Arabia. It's a different track. We haven't had three days of testing, you know, uh, at that venue. So they could suddenly turn up there and, and, and be speedier and be on it. And, and who knows, the season's still alive. But it was just, I guess, as we've spoken about, hearing those comments, hearing Wolf, Hamilton and Russell writing Mercedes off just makes you think that they know the game's up for this year. I mean, that's all you, all you can really take from it. I just, I just don't see why it'd be a bluff. I don't know what, what they've got to, to, to gain by doing that, really. So it was interesting, I suppose, that Hamilton came out first and then, and then Wolf reacted and, and Russell said those things on, on Sunday, Sunday night too about Red, uh, Red Bull winning every race. It, it almost looks quite scripted, doesn't it? That one, one driver, team boss, and then another driver um, basically says Mercedes are nowhere. Um, did Hamilton spark that conversation? Uh, probably. I mean, quite, you know, he's the guy driving the car. He's the man that's, you know, running out of time to win this record eighth world championship. So his voice carries a lot of weight in Mercedes. Um, so I guess it's probably no coincidence that the fact that he came out on Friday and said that we're going in the wrong direction, that um, uh, Wolf went along with that too. But at the same time, I think that they can see from the data and everything that's happening on the track and also with Russell, that this car isn't where it needs to be. These guys are serial winners um, and they want to be winning races and being six tenths behind um, and effectively nowhere, nowhere in the race, finishing you know, basically a minute back from Max Verstappen. Um, it's just proof, I guess, that, they, that, that that needs to be a change. Um, Hamilton, yeah, probably driving that, I suppose, but also you know, the rest of Mercedes know they want to win races. They don't want to finish fifth, sixth, seventh. It's, it's, it's not what they're there to do. Cara, so uh, Philip mentioned the talk of a, of a B-spec concept or car since the, since the day of the launch. So is it possible that Mercedes found issues and changed course over winter, but it was too late to change and have stage managers? Or does it seem like a, a, a really awful, big, massive U-turn in that sense? I don't think I can believe that there's this like magic, magic solution B-spec car waiting in the wings. I feel like Mercedes are winners. Even if they've got things wrong, they bring the best possible car to the, be the first race because they know every single race counts. And I think we've said, you know, they're going to bring upgrades and hopefully they'll be able to get a few tenths more. But as Philip has said, so is every other team on the grid. And I actually want to revisit a point Philip made about do we sack off this year and really focus on next year? And that's a horrible negative mindset. But if you're fighting for either third or fourth in the constructors, you know, or God, fourth or fifth, we don't know yet. We're not really into the season. And then you, again, look at a team like Aston Martin, who have put everything into the year above. And, and last year, they just thought, you know what, it's not going to work. They had that faith. I don't know if that's that much of a bad idea. And maybe as a Mercedes fan, you want them to give everything to right now. And that's not necessarily the winning mentality from Mercedes we're used to. But is it actually the more mature mentality in some ways? Because you're looking to benefit in the future. So. Yeah, I'm not sure that there's this glorious solution waiting, but again, I'll I'll be hopeful. 
Yeah, we just need a, a magic wand, I think, just to, to to fix Mercedes' woes and problems. Um, Philip, let's go to you. I know you've you've talked quite a lot about the B spec uh, of the car, but Ben Fisher asks, where why does it seem Mercedes haven't moved forward at the pace of of, of other teams? Yeah, it's a good question, Ben. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think I think it just comes back to really the fact that they were just. I think maybe they were sidetracked by this porpoising. Um, that, that, that happened to them last year. I mean, it obviously happened to a lot of the teams, but I think Mercedes really got sidetracked by the fact that this was the the, the, the be-all and end-all. And if they could solve this porpoising, solve the bouncing, um, they'd be where they needed to be. Um, and I think it's just prevailed that that really hasn't been the case um, and that there are obviously other fundamental problems um, within the equipment and within the machine and, and the concept that they're, that they're running, really. Um, so, I mean, it's not to say, you know, that they're not making, uh, I suppose, any progress because, as we keep saying, others aren't standing still, everyone's moving. So they're not falling backwards too much, although they have fallen behind um, Aston Martin, but they haven't been able to take the strides forward that they wanted to do. And I think that just comes back to the point that they've just been sidetracked by this porpoising. They put so much effort into that last year and to solve it. Um, and ultimately, the, the 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 FIA directive to to raise uh, raise these cars anyway might have helped it enough. You know, maybe they didn't need to, to to worry too much about what was actually going on with the porpoising and what was causing that um, anyway. Um, but I think also, you know, again, we've spoken about this as well. But all those key personnel leaving, um, you know, do do we know that Mike Elliott is is the man to 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 be able to change it around at Mercedes? I think that's just a bit unproven at the moment. All, as we said about you know all those all those uh, personnel leaving, all the all those key staff that have helped get Mercedes where they are today. Um, I just don't know if they have those people there at the moment that can solve the problems that they have. And I think that's just a situation that they're in. Could well be wrong. They could turn around the next the next car, the next concept, the next upgrade might get them back to where they need to be. But I just think, I think that's a key question too. I mean, does Toto Wolf know that he has the right people around him that he had before? I don't know. I mean, is, is, is there a, could it be argued that a bit of complacency crept in? They won all those championships. Perhaps Wolf didn't want to stand in the way of all these people leaving, you know, you're doing a bit of a, an awesome, awesome Wenger and letting Vieira and Henri leave the Invincibles and, and Arsenal never got back to where they needed to be. Um, well, until now. Uh, but maybe it won't take that long for Mercedes to, to get back to, to, to where they need to be. But yeah, I think that's just a, a, another key element to it. I just don't, we don't know, I think, if Mercedes have still got that same, those same people, the same staff at, at Brackley and Brixworth to be able to, to fire them back to the top. Um, as they uh, as they had before, Russell said last night when he was saying about uh, Red Bull potentially winning every race this year, they just focus too much. They might focus too much attention on that, and um, and the FIA, FIA directive almost worked against them. Um, which, as we've all seen, the the Drive to Survive episode with um, uh, Wolf and, and 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 Horner having a bit of a spat, and uh, I think that was the Canadian Grand Prix, you know. I think this just goes back to the point that I think Mercedes was so it was so in their mind that this was the problem with their car um, that it has to be solved, and I, I just wonder whether that really was the, the biggest issue for them. Um, 
and yeah, perhaps that was that's that's the problem. Perhaps it worked against them this this directive when we all thought it would work in their favour. Perhaps it's done the opposite thing. The last thing we want to do is mention Helmut Marker's name on a Silver Arrows podcast, but we all know how unreliable he can be. But over the winter, he spoke about the mood at Mercedes being quote unquote tense. So do you think we're seeing that all play out a little bit now? We did hear Toto's come out qualifying did seem a little bit politically motivated. When things aren't going well, everyone is tense. And after last year, there must have been so much pressure on the team back at base to get this year right. And, you know, in any environment, that's going to cause conflict. And clearly, when we're looking at this car that isn't performing well, well, something's got to have gone wrong. There's There's going to have to have been some disagreements at the end of the day, F1 is a team sport and we just see a tiny part of it in the drivers and the team principal. But actually, it's so, so important that vehicle that you're driving. And so I, like we say, we don't trust Helmut Marco very much. But especially if he's saying over winter, that's that crucial time when they've got to get things right. And perhaps the test results were coming back at that stage and they were not showing what they wanted and people are starting to panic and then people were starting to blame. So I can, yeah, I can really see where, you know, the truth in that. Philip, from a a paddock point of view, did it seem a little bit politically motivated from the Mercedes garage? And do you think there's something going on behind the scenes, perhaps with the engineers as well? I think there's bound to be stuff going behind the scenes uh, in the sense that they're not winning and and that's not where they, they need to be. It's not going to be a rosy camp, is it? I mean, they would have had that for so many years when they were winning. Um, I think Wolf always tries to be very transparent or he says he is transparent um i mean he, he said the other night you know that if he has to start sacking people it should start with him um so he's sort of ready to to hold his hands up and say well if, if it's not good enough then then it's my my fault um but he obviously hires people to, to get the job done and if they're not getting the job done then i think there has to be uh, people have to be moved around i suppose um and as I said earlier, we don't know whether Mike Elliott is the right TD to, to lead Mercedes' uh, next um, uh, car, and also whether you know we know whether they have the, the people in place to be able to do to do to do that to fire them back to the top. But I think the other thing also that's quite interesting is Lewis Hamilton's position in all of this. I mean, he's still as it as it stands, he's going to be out of contracts um, at the end of this season. Now he's Wolf has said and, and Hamilton has said that they was that he will sign that he will sign a new deal and that it's a formality and it will get done. But obviously, as everyone's aware, there's a feeling that if Mercedes can't give him a car that's good enough to 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 take him to that record eighth world title, whether he will actually hang around. I mean, most people say, well, if he doesn't stay with Mercedes, he'll probably retire. But Hamilton loves Formula One so much. He's still motivated by it. You can see that. You can see that he's so desperate to win. And when he has a good performance, it, it, you know, it, it's like he's an eight-year-old boy. He still absolutely loves it. So, you know, one theory or one, you know, possibility, a very, very, very slim one, obviously, but could he think that maybe this is his last year with Mercedes and maybe try and engineer a move elsewhere? I mean, I think it, it seems unlikely. But you never know in Formula One, do you? I mean, Hamilton, he says he's not too bothered about it, but I think he will be. He'll be desperate to get that record 
eighth world title um to to make to so he stands alone as the greatest ever um and if he looks at mercedes and and doesn't feel he can get that will he start to look around will he start to explore other options other teams other avenues um to be able to 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 get him there and i think that's also something that's just bubbling away in the background of mercedes that's a bit of a distraction you know wolf's having to answer questions about it um well, i say it every race we've only had one race but he will get asked about it so will hamilton and it's just another distraction for them isn't it as if it keeps going on and on and on you know, the question will be, well, why is he not signing? If it's a formality, why is he not signing? Um, so I think that's just another very interesting element um, this year that uh, Mercedes will have to deal with. Um, and I guess that for, for them, the sooner they get him signed up, the better. Um, but if that doesn't happen, then the questions will be asked. Yeah, it's definitely a good point. Cara, do you think Hamilton 2023 will be his last hurrah? Or do you think we'll see his name next year in twenty four? You can't really see a world where Hamilton doesn't drive for Mercedes, you know, after winning seven championships. But that's because Hamilton is a winner. And if he's not seeing that next year they're going to have a race winning car, I don't think he's going to stick around for another year. You know, what's the difference between these, you know, crazy championship winners? It's, It's that part of their brain that is ruthless. And Lewis Hamilton has to have that to have got to the place where he is. And he clearly has an incredible relationship with Toto Wolff, Bono, all the people at Mercedes. But as Philip said, he wants to be known as the greatest of all time. And if it's clear that Mercedes can't give him that, I think it's silly to think, oh, no, he would never look anywhere else. He will look to other teams if he thinks they can give him that eighth championship title yes it's, it's definitely a, a good point we, we've talked uh, a lot about negatives here so i'm a positive guy so let's end on a, a positive note cara please 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 give us something positive uh, to get to go away with however small it is from, from the mercedes team i'm sorry i'm gonna have to bring back up the george russell meme <laughs> i was genuinely i was panicking then i was like i can't think of anything positive on the track um so if any fans haven't seen it and you want to laugh a bit of positivity please go and look at the george russell doing the michael jackson pose meme there's also some great ones of the whole track like being a new boy band you know <laughs> f1 have really done them dirty with these new opening credits yeah <laughs> yeah they definitely are. uh charles leclerc's my other favorite one where he's got his arm on the wall and uh looking down uh philip please some positives anything other than meme worthy i think the positive is they've got two great drivers i mean you know regardless of what's going on with the car they've arguably got the british the drivers as well which is always great yeah, top, yeah two top british drivers they've arguably got the greatest um or the best driver lineup out there so you know yeah as i say regardless of what's happening actually with the machinery they've got they've got hamilton who we all know we all you know his record speaks for itself and, and george russell uh, had an amazing season last year and he's obviously a, an extremely talented uh, driver. So I think that's the positive for Mercedes. They just need to give these guys uh, the car. That's the hard bit. And that's about it for this week. A massive thank you to Philip Ankara for joining us. You can follow them in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Do remember to follow us on Twitter at Merck F1 Pod and hit that follow button in your podcast app. 
If you're feeling extra kind, drop us a view and share it to your social media to help get this in the ears of those who will enjoy it. We'll see you again soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey, I'm Guy Raz, and on my show, Wisdom from the Top, I talk with CEOs and business leaders about the toughest challenges of their careers. There's lots of ways to measure success. Sometimes a company has to bet against itself. We wanted to set ourselves apart by having a point of view. Businesses really impact people's lives in pretty fundamental ways. On Wisdom from the Top, some of the greatest business leaders of our time share their intimate stories of leadership, innovation, and transformation. Stories you won't hear anywhere else. Check out Wisdom from the Top only on Luminary. Now, back to your show. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. ACAST.com.